0: Uh, We're going to continue our series, our theme about being ready to live. How many of you are ready to live? Not just... Survive, but ready to really live because the Bible tells us that Jesus has come that we might live, that so that he could give us life, but not just any life, but life more abundantly. And so we are ready to live today. We're going to continue talking about that. Our theme verse that we've been looking at over the past few weeks is in First Peter, chapter 3, verse 15. It says, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. And say it with me, be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. If you're joining us online this morning, we're so glad that you're here with us, that you're going to continue to to, to Dig deep into God's Word with us this morning. Take this moment to grab your pen, get you a piece of paper. For those of you that are here in person, let's grab our sermon outlines or whatever you have to take notes, and let's dig deep into really putting into practice how we can live to change our world. Amen. We've been talking a lot about that the past few weeks. About three weeks ago, Pastor Josh started with talking about how we live to change our world by being driven by eternity. When we realize that there is more to this life than this life we can really make a difference because then we live in a way that makes a difference to those around us so that they can spend eternity with us. What drives us is eternity. And then the following week we looked at because... As believers, because as Christ followers, we are driven by eternity, there is an expectation from God for us to steward the influence that we have with those around us. Amen? There is an expectation for us to do something with the influence that we have. Now, many of us, we we were thinking, I could could hear our wheels and our brain turning that week. Because many of us were thinking, yeah, but I don't have any influence. I'm not an influential person, I'm not the pastor, I'm not the leader, I'm not the boss, I'm not, I'm not a person with influence. Well, last week, Pastor Josh, the very handsome husband of mine that many of you know, he shared with us last week about how we can really identify our sphere of influence through that verse, that story of Paul and Silas in the book of Acts, where they tell the jailer to believe on the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved, you and your household. And that word there, household, it wasn't referring to just your, your mom and your dad and your spouse and your kids. That word there in the original language is oikos. And that means those within your relational sphere, those around you that you can influence. So Pastor Josh helped us identify who we're talking about when we say our oikos, our household. Who's in your sphere of influence, your people, your place, your passions, right? Are you guys putting it into practice? Well, this week, we're going to go even more practical. Many times we, when we study God's Word, we get lots of information in our head, right? And we just we fill it up with information, and then sometimes we don't really know what to do with it. Well, if we're ready to live, and if we're living to change our world, then what is going to make the difference is when we take these principles that God is showing us in his word and we put them into practice. But how can we do that? How can we, in a very practical way, change our world? Well, I want to encourage you today that the Bible tells us the very best way to do that. There are lots of ways to change the world, lots of programs, lots of different avenues you could use, but there is one way that is the very best way. And you may be thinking, wow, that's pretty confident to say, Pastor Becca, you really think you got this figured out? I don't, but God's word tells us that. Let's look at it. Living to change our world, we see how to do that in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Throughout this chapter, Paul has been talking about how we're the body of Christ and each one of us is a part of it and how we each have a job to do and we each are a different body part and how we're all connected and how we're living on mission together. And to summarize this chapter, he, he repeats, he says, now listen, you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it and then he finishes the chapter with this phrase, and now I will show you the most excellent way. The most excellent way. Now, how many of you know that when the Bible was written, it wasn't necessarily divided into those chapters that we see now? It was originally a letter Written to a local church. And so this verse is the end of chapter 12. And it says, now I'm going to show you the most excellent way. And it leads us into 1 Corinthians chapter 13. How many of you know the theme of 1 Corinthians chapter 13? Anybody? Love. Love. Come on, shout it out. Who knows the theme? Love. All we need is love. Right? All right. Love is the theme of 1 Corinthians chapter 13. That is the most excellent way to change our world, is through love. And you're like, okay, got it. We can leave now. That's all we need to know. I just need to love people. Well, actually, today we want to dig deep into how we can really practically love people in a way that that points them to Jesus and that changes our world. We want to talk a little, we want to dig deeper into it instead of just saying, well, yeah, we love people. Yeah, we love everyone. What does that really look like? What is the most excellent way? So, as we talk about this today, if you're joining us online or here in person, I want you to be thinking about those people that are in your sphere of influence that we talked about last week. I want you to start thinking about as we go through these points. Hey, yeah, this is how I can do that in my sphere of influence. The second thing I want you to notice about this uh, study that we're going to do today is the order of love. Many times in our zeal, in our excitement to change our world, we get the order wrong. We, we, we want to love people, but we do it in the reverse order. So today I want you to pay close attention to the order, to the process of love. The first way that we can love people practically in the most excellent way is to add value to them. Add value to them. Many times our our first inclination, our temptation to try to share our faith or make a difference or influence people for Jesus is to just preach at them. We got to say, listen, you're a sinner. You need Jesus. That's our first instinct. And you know what? It is true that we're all sinners and that we all need Jesus. But that's not where we start. Where we start to show love to those in our sphere of influence is we meet them where they are. We meet them in our, our offices at work and we add value to them. We help them, we encourage them, we serve them. Add value to them. Matthew 5.13 tells us you are the salt of the earth. That means in every interaction, when you are showing love to those in your sphere of influence, you just got to put a little salt on it. Season your words with salt. Season your actions with Salt. Add value to them, whether it be a family member, a colleague, a classmate. In a very practical way, add value to them. So many times we, we, we think of only the, the really deep things, or like we, we want to go deep really fast. You know, we, we want to we tell them the whole Bible. We want to get them from point A to, to Z all in five minutes. Our first step is to add value to them. If someone needs a little extra training at work. If someone needs a little help, very practical hands of Jesus reaching out and serving them. Number two, the second way that we can love in a very practical way is to build intentional community with them. Build intentional community with them. That word intentional there is so important because basically we all have our communities, right? Our communities have already been established. You have your work community, you have your church community, you have your neighborhood where you live, that community, you have your soccer groups or your sports groups, your hobby groups. You have these communities. And many times as believers, we think that in order to make a difference, we have to replace all of our other community with church. But that's not what God's calling us to do. He's saying, go He's saying, I'm I'm not asking you to just replace all of those communities. I'm asking you to make those relationships intentional, to go meet them where they are, add value to them, and begin to develop that relationship with them. So that as, as those relationships are formed, they see a difference in you, right? Build intentional community with them, be a part of their lives. Let let them be a part of your life. Build intentional community with them. In Hebrews chapter 10, it says, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up, meeting together as some are in the habit of doing but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Guys we were not made to live life alone. Relationships is the vehicle that God uses to point people to him and to see lives transformed by the power of God relationships, our relationship with God and our relationship to his church and our relationship to others, that's where we're going to see lives changed. We, we, we have to be intentional about being together, about being together and inviting others to come join us. Amen? Sometimes we complicate it. We're like, okay, but how do we build an intentional community? Does that mean that I have to host a Bible study every single day at my house and invite everybody to come? No, that's not really what that means. Building community is it's really quite easy because building community can happen anytime and anywhere. You wanna invest in someone, you want to speak life, you want to encourage them, you can do that around the water cooler at work, right? Yeah. You can do that sitting at your desk. You can do that while you're, while you're cleaning, while you're helping a friend. It's easy, anytime, anywhere. Building intentional community, it's interesting because it revolves around your passions and your professions. Some people, they really, really like to do certain things. There are things that they like to do. And then there are things that they really like what they do. There are people that are really passionate about their job. We have a lot of engineers at our church, at Life Church Milano. And they are passionate about their jobs. And it shows. They're good at it. They're passionate about it. You can make a difference by building intentional community with people who are interested in those things, right? In our passions, in our professions. Build intentional community. Number three, it's effective. It's effective. When we are building intentional community, it's not only making a difference in their lives, so it's not only just a public you know, effectiveness, but it makes a difference in our lives. I can tell you, it really improves your marriage when you are intentional about helping other people's marriage. So like Pastor Josh and I, when we, um, uh, we, we wanted to start a small group for married couples, because we understand that, you know, there's a need there. People who get married Marriage is not easy. It takes work, right? So, so we wanted to meet people where they were, we wanted to add value to their marriages. We wanted to see husbands and wives grow in their love and support and respect for one another. And so we were going to start a marriage life group. And we were so excited about it. And the day arrives for our life group, and it's like two hours before life group is supposed to start. And Pastor Josh and I got into an argument now, I know you guys are super holy. You don't argue with your spouses. But me and Pastor Josh got into an argument. Now, if we did not know, if we did not have five other couples coming to our house, <laughs> waiting for us to encourage their marriage, if, if we weren't trying to, to make a difference in the lives of others, we could have dragged that thing out for a good 24, 48 hours, 72 hours. It could have been a fight that we could have pouted and got mad at one another. But you know what? We, we know that we're living on mission to change our world, to add value to people, to love them. And because those couples were coming to our home, we said, you know what? We can't help anyone else until we take care of this right here. So we said, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I love you. I love you. Let's get ready for life group, right? Right? Because we're, it's effective. When you know that you're, that you're living to serve others, it's going to make you grow as well. It's effective, personally and publicly. Number three, the third way we can show love in the most excellent way. Share struggles with them. Share struggles with them. Now, often, as... As Christians as believers we do a really good job at helping people with their struggles right we want to to say if someone comes to us or if we have someone in our sphere of influence that's struggling and we say you know we we want to, to give them scripture we want to pray with them we want to encourage them but then we don't really open up about our struggles We don't share our struggles. It's all one-sided. Well, after a while, if we're always the ones giving advice or if we're always the ones investing in others, then, I mean, the, the friendship kind of becomes nobody really wants to always have somebody telling them what they should do, right? Or they become dependent on us, and it's not an effective way to point them to Jesus, and, and so many times in our minds, we're saying, Yeah, but, but what, if, what if I'm honest about my doubts? What if I'm honest that I don't understand what God is doing in this situation? What if I'm honest about the fact that I'm struggling right now to process my grief? What if I am honest about this that, that I don't understand? That I'm that I'm angry or I'm confused at God about this, won't that ruin? Won't that ruin what I'm trying to do? Because that will make God look bad, right? That's how we're processing these things. But you guys, our struggles, when we are real and transparent with people, when we are real about our struggles, it gives God the opportunity to work through them to bring Him glory. If we're only hiding or if we're only putting up the facade of everything's okay, I'm all right, I'm good, I have no problems, then then we're actually limiting what God can do in us and through us. Are you with me? Are you with me? Now, I'm not saying that we just announce to the whole world on social media, hey, I have this problem, you know? I'm not saying that we just tell everyone everything, but I'm saying let's share our struggles. Let's be real with those around us. Oftentimes, people just want to know that they're not alone, that, that they're not crazy for, for going through this circumstance, that they're not the only one. And when we share our struggles, it opens a door for God to do the miraculous, not only in our lives but in their lives. Amen? Amen. It says in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 8 through 12, there was a man all alone. One of the saddest sentences in the Bible. There was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother. There was no end to his toil, yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. For whom am I toiling, he asked, and why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? This, too, is meaningless, a miserable business. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. We're better together. Another great verse in the Bible talks about iron, sharpening iron. When we're sharing our struggles, when we're walking together, when we're living life together, we get a little sharper, and we help sharpen others. We get better, and we, we begin to move forward. We share our struggles James 5:16 says therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. When it says confess your sins to one another it's not telling us to come to me or come to someone else and say I've done this and this and this and this and this. It's not saying you have to confess every sin you've ever committed to one another. But it's saying hey, I'm struggling in this area hey, I'm struggling in this temptation. Hey, I'm struggling with this. I don't understand this. And we'll come together and pray so that we can be made healed and whole. And people in our jobs, people in our classrooms, people in our communities are longing for that same thing, even if they don't know it. Let's live on mission to change our world. Amen? The fourth way that we can practically love those around us is connect them to Jesus. Connect them to Jesus. Remember I told you to pay really close attention to the order of love. So many times we want to do it in reverse. We want to preach Jesus to them. And then we'll find out what they're struggling with and try to fix it. And then we get them part of our community, and then we find out what value they have, what they can do, how they can serve. But you guys, too many times we get the order wrong. God's asking us to love, to reach out and meet them where they are. Every single one of these steps is spiritual, I promise. Sometimes it may not seem that way. You're like, so you just want me to just help them at work? and that's it Like that first step is the open door that first step is a way to, to show genuine love to them and then we move to the next step it's done, inten- it's done intentionally it's done on purpose for a purpose and if we, if we do the first three steps but then we don't do the last one then basically we're just being nice people. But the whole goal is to love them to the point where we can connect them to Jesus. Connect them to Jesus. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20 says, We are Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. I know here in Rome, there's the, the UN, there are a lot of people, there are a lot of diplomats, there are a lot of offices. What, what's an ambassador? An ambassador is a representative of one country that, that lives, is stationed in a country that is not his or her home. Do you see where I'm going with this? You guys, we are Christ ambassadors. We are citizens of heaven. And we are living as temporary ambassadors. And you know how whenever we have to travel back to our home country or when we have to go on a journey, what do we do? We have to request documents from the ambassador of our country living in the country that we live in. You guys, we are Christ ambassadors and we want to take people with us on the journey to our eternal home. And in order to get them there, they need to know how that's possible. And when we connect them to Jesus, we're saying, hey, come on, I want you to join me on this journey. As Christ ambassador, I want to spend eternity with you in heaven. I want you to be with me. We connect them to Jesus. What a humbling thing that God himself chose to use us as his ambassadors, as the vehicle that he uses to demonstrate his love to those around us. And when we love people in a very real and genuine and practical way, And we connect them to Jesus we will see our world changed you can make a difference wherever you are through God's grace working in you through his power working in you as Christ's ambassador you are making his appeal he loved us so much And he believes in us so much that he said, I'm going to use Jackie, and I'm going to use boss, and I'm going to use Scott. I'm going to use my children. I'm going to use you as ambassadors to make a difference wherever you are. And you guys, there's no plan B. There's no plan B. And I know for some of you, that's like, oh my goodness, now I feel a whole lot of pressure because God has given me this assignment and there's no plan B. We are his ambassadors. And he knew that the task was too big for us to do in our own strength. And that's why he gave us the power of his Holy Spirit. And that's why he gave each and every one of you as, as Paul started this whole thing with in 1 Corinthians 12, a grace gift. That's why he's giving you, through his grace, the ability to influence those around you. Let's love. Let's love those around us. And let's change our world. Amen. Amen. And amen. Amen today if you do not know Jesus as your friend as your Savior maybe you don't even know what I'm talking about I want to give you the opportunity to start that relationship with him if you're online today and you're like yeah I like the whole I can make a difference part but I wouldn't even know where to start because I don't know Jesus I want you to know that God created you in his image for a purpose and he loved you enough to send Jesus to die for you. And there's nothing you can do to earn his love or his grace. He paid the ultimate sacrifice when he gave his life in order to to make you new, to give you a fresh start and to be reconciled to God the Father, the creator of heaven and earth. So if you'd like to begin a relationship with Jesus today, I'm going to pray in a moment, and I would love for you to say that prayer with me. It doesn't have to be the exact same words that I say, but we we recognize that we are imperfect people that need a perfect God to save us, to bring us into a relationship with Him, and we believe that Jesus is God's Son. And then we ask him to forgive us of our sins and we commit our lives to him forever. If you're online today and you say that prayer with us, please send us a message. Let us know because we want to celebrate with you. And we also want to help you take your next steps in your journey of faith. Let's pray together. Lord. We thank you that that your word has all the answers that we need. And we thank you for every person that's here with us today in person and online. I pray for every single person that may be far from you. I pray that the words that have been spoken today would connect them to Jesus, to your love, to your grace. And today we pray, that that you would forgive us of our sins we thank you that your sacrifice is sufficient once and for all that we can't earn your love it's not about going to church or doing the right things but god we accept you as our savior and as our lord forgive us of our sins make us new i give my life to you in your name amen